It's time to thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bauckham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. Today we start a new series with the Thrivology Podcast, and it's a kind of a series that's pretty close to my heart, pretty near and dear to my heart. This is about how you parent to create thriving children, how we parent to thriving children. The reason it's near and dear to my heart is because uh, I had parents, and I've been a parent, and I've talked with lots of other parents and, and realized that that is such an important role and such a challenging role. Many of us feel like, you know, we're not sure if we're doing the best job. We're not sure if we know how to do it because there's only one way to figure out how to parent, and that's to do it. When we were pregnant with our first child, uh, I was in graduate school, and, and my supervisor in grad school, a family therapist who had a number of kids of his own, and I were talking. We were at, at a, a table, a lunch table, and it was one of, after one of our classes, and, and the whole department was kind of gathered there, and, and he was talking to me about parenting, and he said, well, the thing about kids is they teach you to parent. I thought, well, that was interesting, and sure enough, our daughter taught me a lot about how to parent her and, and how she was best parented. Well, a few years later, we were pregnant again, and uh, so I was sitting at that same table with that same professor, and I said, uh, Lee, you, you mentioned, by the way, we were two Lees in that department, I was the other Lees, I said, Lee, uh, you mentioned that uh, your, your child teaches you to parent, and so our first child, you know, taught me to parent, what does our second child teach us? And he said, Uh, that you can't do it the same way again. And so that has been so true that both of our kids needed some differences in how we parented different approaches and different outlooks because they were two different individuals. Which raises the question, is there something underlying parenting that kind of crosses over no matter what? And I, I believe there is because I believe that the goal of parenting for every child is the same. The goal of parenting is to raise a loving, respectful child who does important good things for the world. That's a big, big order. In fact, it's so big that you won't have any idea of how it's gone for you know, 20 or 30 years of that process because a lot of times it takes a while to get there, to get through the tough times, to get through the developmental parts, to get through the training, to get settled into life, and and to see how a child deals with the challenges and adversities of growing up. You can't tell what a child's going to be like at five. You can't tell what they're going to be like at 15. You can't tell what they're going to be at 25, but that's getting closer to when we see the results of parenting. So it's a long-term process. In fact, it's a much longer process than anywhere else in the animal kingdom. You know, anywhere else, uh, the animals are off on their own long before even some of them don't even get any parenting. And then some who do basically get it long enough for that child to be surviving. But we humans are unique. We're trying to pass on a heritage and trying to pass on success to our kids by making sure that they have the best that will get them forward. So the question is what that best is, what it is we're trying uh, to move them towards and how to do it. Over time, I've come to realize that there are basically two theories that parents have about what parenting is about. One theory is that children are like eggs. You know, if they fall, if something happens and they fall, they'll crack, they'll shatter. And the other is that children are like balls, that if they're taught, they'll learn to bounce. If they're taught, they'll learn that when things are tough, they can bounce back from it, that they can learn from it. And that shapes, those two ideas shape how we go through parenting. Because if you believe that kids are fragile and have to be protected like an egg, 
You don't ever want them to make a mistake. You don't ever want them to have a challenge. You don't ever want them to hit the ground because they could shatter. But if, on the other hand, you believe that they're like a ball, then your task is to help them understand and learn how to bounce back when things get tough. So which theory do you find that you fall into more often? Because it's not one or the other. Sometimes we are both. You know, when a child is learning to ride a bike, you don't want them to fall and break something. But when they're taking on a struggle in life, you want them to learn from that struggle and get beyond it. So which one do you find you do more often? Are you more the people who think that it's like an egg that's fragile or more like a ball that bounces? And you can probably guess that my hope is that we learn to teach children to be like the balls and bounce when tough things come. Which brings us to kind of a topic I talked about last week. When I was talking about the tools of thriving, I talked about confidence. And if you missed it, just very quickly, I'll tell you that our parenting styles lately in the past oh, uh, 30 years or so have been impacted by the growth of confidence, self-confidence or self-esteem that has come into our com- common culture. Now, it doesn't mean that, that everybody was teaching that method or every parent was going by that method years ago, but it suddenly infiltrated our culture. And so the idea has been in self-esteem that kids need to think uh, about themselves in good ways, that they want, to have, they want to feel good about themselves. And so the idea from self-esteem was that children always need to feel good. And so instead of worrying about whether they wrote well or not, just to, to make them feel good about having written, that was enough. Or instead of to have been on a winning team, we began to give out trophies just for having participated. And so along the way... Some of that has backfired. And what crept in was kids feeling like they were entitled, entitled to good grades, entitled to getting a prize no matter what, entitled to not being challenged. That's the big one because behind self-esteem, a lot of times was minimize the challenge. It's not about whether they did it right. It's just whether they tried or not. And so a lot of times kids learn that they just had to act like they were trying and they should get by. And so we've heard a lot about schools who have been struggling with grade inflation where every child believes that they should get A work whether they deserve it or not. And I can tell you from having taught in grad school, that is absolutely the case, that there are lots of people who believe that when they walk into a class, they should get an A and at worst a B, regardless of what comes out of that. And and that's that's a different place than when I was coming along where I was taught that if I got a C, that's average work that A was exceptional work, and that was something you, you had to work for. And so we've kind of lost some of those ideas about the hard work, having been replaced by this self-esteem idea of just feeling good. Now, I'm not saying that that's everybody. I'm just saying that that has become a tendency that has begun to be disruptive because self-esteem as a method of parenting led to feeling good about the self, which often led to kids feeling like, I'm special. And unfortunately, sometimes I'm special leads to fragility when the world points out that they're not nearly as special as they believe themselves to be. Now, let me, let me tell you that I believe that every child needs to feel loved and every child needs to feel that they are unique with unique gifts, unique treasures, unique capacities that they are there to give the world. That's far different than feeling like they are special compared to other people. 
And the danger is that specialness can begin to be fragility. There's this idea in business, the theory of anti-fragility, which is about the fact that there are increased capabilities and resiliences that can come as a result of the struggles and the stressors and the failures and mistakes that happen. It's been applied to business multiple times. An anti-fragile company is one that learns from the difficult times. Rather than being crushed when it doesn't go their way, they find a new way around it. When things don't go according to plan, they make a new plan. When they make a mistake, they learn from the mistake, pick themselves up, and keep going. That's anti-fragile. And I've come to believe that that is the task of our parenting, to make kids be anti-fragile, that they realize that they can learn from the challenges. They can learn from the mistakes. They can learn from the tough times that come in life rather than being fragile. If you point it at that place, the ball is an anti-fragile. It bounces. The egg is fragile. Got to be careful and protect it. And so part of what we're talking about is how to learn during those tough times in our lives. That's what this series is about. How do we help our kids be anti-fragile? How do we help our kids to have higher levels of resilience to take on the challenges? And I believe that that can come through a series that we will start next week about how we talk about mindsets, how we think about mindsets. Are they a growth mindset? Are they limited mindset? How do we deal with mistakes? Because there will be plenty of mistakes along the way. How do we understand courage and how do we teach about fear How do we understand growth as a model for the kids? How do we help our kids understand that part of success is about finding a deeper meaning in life? It's about building in purpose in life. And it's about deciding to make a positive impact in the world. We're all going to make an impact in the world. And the question is, positive or negative? So how do we move kids towards making a positive impact? If that's something that catches hold of you, if you believe that you, you want to do that and, and you believe that you want to figure out some better ways of doing that, please join us for the next few weeks as we talk about how we raise thriving children. Let me first make a disclaimer. I do have two kids, and I think they are great, but that doesn't mean I've done a perfect job. Also recognize that what, whatever job you do as a parent doesn't necessarily translate over to a how a child grows up because they get to make their choices. So my disclaimer is this. First of all, I don't hold myself up as the perfect parent. Far from it. I do think that the goal as a parent is to keep learning and growing and keep on trying, striving to do the best job you can. So the first thing is, please don't hear me saying I am the model for parenting. I just try to do my best. The second is to recognize that no matter what you do with parenting, no matter how hard you work as a parent, a child still gets to make decisions along the way. And they're not always going to make the decisions you want. And even when they don't make the decisions you want, our task is to help them pick themselves up and do the best they can from there. There are times when it's tough. There are times when it's scary to be a parent. We're here to talk about how to build a thriving child as best you can on your side, recognizing that child still gets to make choices, still gets to take actions, and that you're there to help them as they move through that. So with those two disclaimers, I hope you'll be back next week as we delve into how to raise thriving children. This is Lee Balkan wishing you the best as you work to create your thriving life. 
listening to the Thrivology Podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want more information, visit us at Thrivology.com or at ThrivologyMagazine.com. Remember that Thrivology is spelled T-H-R-I-V-E-O-L-O-G-Y. It's your life. Time to live it.